Our guest this week is licensed attorney and tax professional, Braden Drake. And if you're thinking this is gonna be boring, trust us, it's anything but. Braden educates creative business owners with his courses, mastermind groups, and his podcast, Unfuck Your Biz. Today, we're talking about taxes, business entities, cash flow, and Birkenstocks. Let's go. Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers, turned internet friends, turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? Oh, back orders and lead times. Oh, I know. I feel like we might be a little bit of a broken record on that, but that's only because the world is a broken record. And it's getting worse. So for all of you who are really talking about orders, it's not going away. Time to start telling your clients now not to reset those expectations so you're not keeping yourself up at night. And you're not alone. Yeah. You are not alone. (laughs) I am here with you. Those might not be the lyrics, but anyway, y'all know where I'm going. It's all true. Um. Should we just pop right into the fizz and sizz? Let's let's do it. Do you want to get your fizzle off the, off your chest? Yeah. Okay. So, speaking of the back orders, so I won't go like into every freaking back and forth detail of this project, but <laughs> I have been working on a little dining room project that. We ordered the furniture in September. It is now January, end of January. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The We had a really hard time getting a dining table that was going to work in the space, that was the right size, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just go custom. Great. I found a custom guy that I'd worked with kind of on a couple of projects. He could do it. No problem. This is easy. He said he could have it in November. November went by. I still hadn't had drawings. I'm like bugging him. December went by. He had some personal issues come up. It's January. I'm like, dude, what is up with my table? Like, Finally, he just came I clean. Can't. He's like, I can't do it. Like, I've had equipment issues, blah, blah, blah. Like, and this is an oversimplified saga you all should have been listening to the marco polo videos we've been sharing with each other about the journey that this table has been through so stupid so like forget like i'm not i need to get off this roller coaster so gave me a refund for my deposit but now it's like oh great let me start this whole search again right I found a local showroom that had these really great, this really great table that was like going up in their price point a little bit, but I still got a good deal on it. They loved it. It was all great. They could pick it up in person. They had it on the floor. It's not like a heavy use showroom. So it was fine. And the 
sellers said they would um, have the furniture repair guy come and clean it up. Like there's just little surface scratches or whatever. Right. Yay. Okay. Let's do it. I haven't even talked about the chairs, but I'm not going to because there's a whole chair component that like keeps getting (laughs) affected. (laughs) Cause yeah, the original chairs no longer work with this new solution. So we had to switch it all out. Anyway, um, the client goes to pick it up on Saturday and I'm getting calls from all of them that the retouching was, did not go well. There's fluorescent green and they got it out in the sunlight like now it looks like it's highlight marker like the bright the green. photo you sh- the photo you showed me it's like yeah that's definitely not a good really color didn't match like look. something happened with that there was something that was like being affected like that was not Maybe showing up in regular light or... yeah yeah and it was like all over the table like there was like six or seven little touch-ups so Ugh. they refused it and they refused it and I never wanted them to know it was floor model. Like I was hoping that the cleanup was going to be good enough because to their yeah. point, like all furniture that comes into any warehouse needs to get retouched. They all get scratched. Yes. So I wasn't trying to like do anything shady, but once somebody knows it's a floor model, then it's like, oh, let me get out my microscope. I know. But it was bad. Like I totally agree with that you, like, now... you understand where they're bothered by it too it's just that doesn't help you get the job done any sooner no and there's no more tables in stock so they will no longer accept that table no matter what and so i'm still on this journey <laughs> so over today i have to get some information but for all the hot young designers who are listening like it this is where we're keep talking about like most of our job is taken up with customer communications and the business side of it. And this is it. Like, this is really time consuming. Like picking a pretty table is the fastest and easiest part. Yeah. And in normal times, like there would be a plethora of available stock, but there just isn't right now. So it's, it's heavy. I want it to be over. It's heavy. I'm glad you have some virtual assistants who can start helping you with some of the coordination of stuff like this because you, I don't want it to be something that you keep doing that makes you hate doing it every day. Like let someone else hate doing it every day. Totally. So. Like I don't need to like be so emotionally like depleted by because it, it's so disappointing. Like I feel like I'm an empath by nature, so I feel the disappointment like it was happening and all to of me. it and you feel like you're letting them down when in reality yeah. it's like you haven't let them down you've helped them tremendously through this and they couldn't and even not, be where they are now they're not blaming it. me but they're i'm the i'm the person i'm the messenger so right right anyway so there's that the sizzle mm. um i got to have dinner with people that I don't live with. <laughs> it's amazing. Like for the first time in like since oh, you were here. Wait, wait, wait. Since September of 2020. That's the first time I've... you got to like go out with people you're not related to. Like not at a restaurant? Members. Yeah, I think so. God. I haven't 
been have you? Of, uh, no I haven't no I've literally I have not been <laughs> and you still haven't yeah you guys people don't understand for not all of our listeners are California based obviously there's there's thousands of you now which is great but y'all California has been a shit show and a half a shit show and a dumpster fire on I don't know mm-hmm. what like on the struggle bus like it's been rough everything gets closed showrooms are closed restrooms are closed like everything might as well be closed literally infection rates are so high that people aren't going anywhere stuff is shut down it's really rough to watch and then when i am talking with other designers or showrooms or distributors who are in different parts of the country it's a very different version of what's happening and so people aren't you're not necessarily hearing that unless you're finding the news headlines, how rough it's been for for a number of states. I mean, we're not the only one, but it's definitely tough. Right. Here. I mean, we were physically, like we had another stay at home order over right. the holidays. So things weren't And yours open. just got lifted. So we got, and ours Sacramento is still in County place. got lifted. So and LA is County is not going That anywhere. outside, it was all very safe. It was all nice to to have a no. drink yeah a couple drinks dinner with some ladies it was great you need that you've been like you're taking on a lot at home well and I was just thinking like when I was leaving um I don't think I've been out at night driving <laughs> really weird <laughs> Like right? a, like like sundowners, like a retiree. Yeah, I'm like, like oh <laughs> shit, this is different. Oh my god, it's so late. I gotta get home. It's dark. I gotta go to bed at eight. Like, like do my <laughs> yeah, do my headlights remember how to work? <laughs> so oh weird. no, it's it's that's a tough one. I mean, we have gone like to get pick up like ice cream or something and like done a drive through of something at night, but we're not. I would yeah, really you saddle love... down with children that just like keep you roped in at night. Yeah, so, yeah, but I would love to be able to sit out and have a meal. Um, mm. But honestly, like there are a lot of crap places to eat when you don't want to sit like in a parking lot. I refuse to do that, you guys. I no. refuse to sit in a parking lot. Like if the restaurant didn't already have an outdoor dining environment before this, I will not be sitting in a parklet on a curb table. No, I will not. I will not be sitting in a place where the plants are already dying because the restaurant doesn't water them outside because they tried to create like a little hedge or something. Nope. I'm not doing that. Like if you didn't already have a well thought out place to eat, I'm not coming to know. The ambiance is obviously very important to our types. Yes. As, as, uh, very developed aesthetes this is something that we won't give up like <laughs> yeah surrounded by plastic like yeah just just yeah sorry There's nothing i want to eat sorry. that bad i know <laughs> like your tacos i'd rather have a street taco than eat at a restaurant with like a okay taco in a bad environment like yeah under surrounded by vinyl i'd, I'd rather just have takeout or to go sorry or restaurant. we shouldn't be so Sorry, restaurants. They need to do what they can do. So. Oh, I'm sure. And I know that other people are like doing that, but I mean, that's part of why for us by making our home environments so enjoyable to be in, 
it doesn't make me miss out on having like a subpar dining experience. So yeah, lockdown sucks. I'm really glad you got to go out and do that because trust, like when we can start doing that again here, like we're overdue to be able to see people and have a nice meal and make a reservation somewhere. Like I'm ready for that. Yeah, it'd be really nice. So meanwhile, in Los Angeles, uh, if you leave Southern California and travel and then you come back, they require, I don't know, I don't know how or if they could ever enforce it, but they're requiring a 10 day quarantine period. They are? Yep. You're not supposed to go to work if you leave. And you know, I know, I watched, I have seen the freeway traffic on Fridays or Thursdays. There are people going out to Vegas. There are people going to Arizona to go to the river. There's, well, and there's no way to say what it is. Um, You know, like, for example, like, it, it doesn't apply to like a trucker, which is like one person, but like families, truckers aren't spending time hanging out in the cities they travel to they go they drop off the truck bed they get back on the road they're not like having vacations with their families and going places but yeah it's it does not make sense right now like no but my brother's girlfriend has been visiting from canada and she's like she's been coming for as long as she can because she has to go back for a 14-day mandatory quarantine and anyone in her household so it's a really big deal and they call her every day and they like ask questions and, yeah but she's in, like I, in she's a LA, total rule follower so she's like I'm, it's so scary like i got in trouble for walking my dog one block too far oh but it i mean they're I wait so are they doing like location tracking like data like that i mean that's like what france had a lot to of do. questions that's what france had to do around a lot of it was like figure out where you're getting your groceries and this and that and I just feel like Americans are naturally not rule followers. Can you imagine? No. Like, revolutionaries. No one's gonna, like, they would have to have an ankle monitor. Like, there's no one that's... <laughs> like, we already have ankle you? monitors. They're called cell phones. It's already tracking all of our know, data. That's true. But who's gonna um, call you? Like, no one would do that. It would be like a yeah. robot and you'd be like, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So there's... It, it's just to encourage the people who are rule followers not to do anything, which they're not the ones who are at risk anyway. So totally has nothing the ones that to are wearing my... the masks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With instead of their chin hammocks. Um, okay. My, let's start with the fizzle, get it out of the way. My fizzle of the week was this re- weird, like aha realization as we've been like going through these journeys of, looking at projects we take and clients we want to work with and all of this was really forgetting for a minute that that taking on projects and clients that I don't want to work with puts me in a place when I was in my banking industry job doing something I didn't want to do with people I didn't want to work with. And it's like, just because I'm running my own design business doesn't make that more fulfilling to work with people and projects I don't want to work with. Right. So the fizzle of it is really like reminding myself like, hey, if we're just doing this to make money, like if I'm just going to take projects to make money, I should just go back to my banking jobs where it made a shit ton of money and had great bonuses and do that. Like, And you didn't otherwise, have to... <laughs> 
I didn't have to run my own business. Update your website. Yeah. And I don't have any person, like there's no real personal responsibility when you have the resources of an entire multi-billion dollar corporation to, to control everything and to provide resources and to have infrastructure and policies. It's so much less emotional work to do that type of job. And so it just kind of like brought me back to center. Like I'm, I don't wanna do work that's not fulfilling. Whatever that means to every designer is what it means to them. But like, I have to stay in touch with that because why, why not then just go back to what I was doing where I could easily make a lot of money without a lot of work and just be emotionally unfulfilled. Yeah, you just clock so, out and- You're done. See you Monday. There are no nights and weekends. There's, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and I'm naturally like, I try to do better than a lot of people. So I would- be a good performer, like solidly dependable. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like, okay, that we're doing this for a reason. And I needed that, I needed that moment. Uh, sizzle, I know, depending on when our listeners are hearing this, it might've been a minute. You all need to go back and rewatch uh, Amanda Gorman's um recitation of the hill we climb from Mm -hmm. joe biden's presidential inauguration because every time i listen to it it gives me like i've had chills i've i've had moments of like relief i've had moments of pain i've had moments of excitement and encouragement and enthusiasm like it really took me on a journey Mm -hmm. every time I listen I pick up on something else and I inflect or reflect on another you know verse that's in it and so if you need to pick me up and it's been a minute since you listened to it again go back it's a really inspiring and encouraging and yeah powerful moment in history to think about and to remind ourselves that we have work to do um but that there's a reason why we're doing it and so that's kind of the perfect like balance to my own personal fizzles is to remember that all the hills we climb in different parts of our lives and our businesses and our families and our government like we're we're all climbing something different mm-hmm. and we kind of need to think back on those moments and i don't know it was a really good i yeah, i mean i, saw, I think about I was, it every day i watched her you know live while it was happening but yeah that's a good idea to re-listen and like see how it applies to different aspects how was she so so freaking together and smart in her early 20s i know she's so sweet too on her instagram I mean, she was she got like a million followers that day like it's oh crazy it's something that she probably never i mean she probably thought like oh people will respond but it just it hit differently so mm-hmm. thank you amanda gorman mm-hmm. <laughs> we got stuff um, that's gonna hit different today too yeah you guys need to grab a notepad. We're gonna have your gay best friend in a very irreverent way 
get get your shit together yeah he really has his shit together but he doesn't make you feel like you don't feel bad no he's seen it all he's worked with tons of creatives so he gets how some of us are more on the messy creative end of the spectrum (laughs) the the as i told him the the hot young mess club like sometimes we need to pull ourselves out of that yes and what Mm -hmm. and there's it's a judgment-free zone but this is your place and um i think he's a great resource totally all right let's get into it let's do it welcome brayden hi thanks for having me hi hello hello excited to have a little chit chat we're gonna make it yeah fun i know like all of your listeners are probably on the edge of their seat to hear this like legal and tax <laughs> breakdown, but we're going to, I always tell people it may not be fun, but it's not going to get any more fun than this. <laughs> right. Like this is the most we're going to squeeze from that turnip. Yeah. Like this is like tax, the tax and law don't get any more fun than when Brayden comes on the show. That's always my goal. At least it's I set my high bar for myself. I'm here for that. I yeah, I mean, you start with your business, and yeah, yes. you start with your business name and your brand. Like, our listeners need like a lot of them. I personally need a lot of unfucking of my business, and that's my main goal for the year. So that should have been my word of the year. If that could be the un- yeah. One of my students calls it the unfucking. I think I'm gonna get t-shirts. Ooh, the great unfucking. <laughs> yeah, the unfucking. Yes, that's what we call I- it. At least in my business. I love that. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell our listeners more about you and your background and what got you to where you are today? Sure. So uh, hello, everyone. My name is Brayden. I'm originally from Indiana, but moved out to California to go to law school a hot minute ago. Um, did the whole law school thing, took and passed the bar exam. And after that, I actually went and got my master's degree in tax law. So that's like an advanced legal degree, specifically in tax. Um, I thought it was very exciting. It's not for everyone. Totally get that. But what that really means is that I'm technically a tax attorney, but I always tell people I do small business law and then I do CPA type work. At least I used to. I'm no longer doing one-on-one work in my business. It's all education for creatives is who I market to. So it's interior designers, but I also work with a lot of web designers, graphic designers, photographers, wedding planners, marketing consultants. You get the picture. Awesome. Yeah. That's, so that's what we have going on over here. All, all the types of people that don't know how to do any of this stuff and have a really <laughs> hard time getting themselves to do it. Yeah. But also like fun people. Right. So I like, right. I always tell people I like this niche because I actually get to work with like interesting people. Not other attorneys. It's not like stuck up office suit and tie type of lifestyle. Yeah, not not here for that. There's plenty of attorneys for those people already. Like they're already downtown in their suits. They can go to the attorney corner office like on their lunch break. I'm here for all all of the people who were Zooming like before the pandemic already. (laughs) (laughs) You mean all of us who already knew technology? Yeah, like who understood technology, like they, (laughs) you know, weren't really confused and they had to schedule their first online meeting, like all all of us people. (laughs) This is our tribe. Yeah. Yes, our tribe. It's a good vetting process. Can you tell us why your business is called Unfuck Your Biz? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So technically, like, it's funny because technically I don't have a business name. It's just a personal brand. Like my website's BradenDrake.com. Okay, but yeah. Unfuck Your Biz is the name of my signature program. It's also the name of my podcast. And it's also the name of my book. So it's like, might as well be my business name as well. But the story, um, the short story is, is I went to uh, like a mastermind retreat about a year and a half ago. And at the time, my business name was Creativepreneur community. Hmm. Don't ask like a year into business. That's I was like, cute. this is the ticket. This is the name. Everyone's going to love this. And everyone then basically, yeah, basically yeah, everyone can spell it. My website's creativepreneur.community, not.com. Like people aren't going to have a problem oh, with that. So easy. And I get, yeah, I get into this mastermind retreat and it's funny because I have all these quote unquote business friends from Instagram, right? Like people that we don't really know that well, but we talk to every day and they're all supportive. They're like, love it. Name's great. And then I meet these people for the first time in a weekend and they're all like, no, that's fucking terrible. Like that's not going to work. You need to change that. <laughs> really thankful now, right? Fast forwarding almost two years later, but they were asking me who I help and what it is that I do. And I told them, they all assume that I work with like brand new business owners. And I said, no, because in, in like marketing language, people aren't really problem aware of what it is that I do. So it's, you know, kind of like in design land, you first have to convince people that they actually need a designer or they aware of the fact that they need you. Um, and so what I found was that most people weren't aware that they needed my services until they were two, three year, four years into business, they realized that they've kind of fucked it up and they need to unfuck their business. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off and they were all like, that should be like your new brand name. So it just fits with what you've already got going. So I ran with it and here we are. Yeah. So it's basically stating that they already have a business that they've started fucking yes. up. And that's, that's yeah. Cool. So like yeah, I have yeah. offerings for like brand, like brand new people, but it's, it's kind of like, even if you've only been in business for two to three months, you've probably done some stuff wrong. So let's figure it out, reverse it and lay a new foundation for your business. Ooh. Love that. Need that. <laughs> I, I told you when I asked you about coming on the show that we don't want like the hot mess designers club where everybody just doesn't have their stuff together. And just because Rebecca and I's journey was different into forming our businesses or doing that doesn't mean like I'm in no place to tell anyone else what entity they should be in or what problems they need to avoid. Cause we are all running our shows differently. And believe me, we've, we've made our mistakes along the way in bookkeeping and things too, but I don't, I think your perspective is good because you've seen way more examples than we've seen. Yeah, I've, I've kind of like seen it all at this point. When I was actually starting my business, I worked part-time just hourly at West Elm. And so I worked with like there, it was a lot of newer designers who were coming in, like buying product for their clients. Mm -hmm. And I would see, you know, they'd come up with in with like an envelope or a folder with just like receipts, like falling out <laughs> of it. And I was always like, I would always ask them really nosy questions. They probably were like, who is this guy and why does he care? Because I was currently getting my master's in tax law. And I was like, what yeah. do you do with those? Like, how do you organize them? How do you keep them all straight? And they would just, basically the consensus was like, I don't know. I just like, they're in a shoebox at home. Like after I get out of here. I keep them because someone told me to keep them. I deliver right. them to my CPA in a trash bag at the end of the year. <laughs> right, go. exactly. Like, exactly. But then it's like, for it's one thing for taxes, but then it's like, you're here shopping for four different people and then you're like returning all this shit. And I know that you're like going to the next store right after this. It was like, that's all overwhelming. I'm personally terrible at paperwork. 
So in a lot of ways, I admire all of you designers because logistically you got a lot of shit to deal with, like for your clients. So organization is really key in your industry as well. It really is. That's I agree where... with all that, but I'm also overwhelmed by just hearing you describe it that way. It's really complicated. Like I come from, um, I owned a creative agency and was a graphic designer and we were almost hundred percent service-based this mix of service and product. And you're right, like retainers and returns. It's a lot of coming and going. Yeah. It's like a whole different ball game. Cause like I work with a lot of wedding photographers. They might do like 20 weddings a year. They have 20 clients. They charge each one of them $5,000. Like that's it. They take half the payment up front, maybe two more payments. Like it's logistically so much simpler. So Oh my God. I don't, I don't really know why I went down this rabbit hole, but basically I'm just sharing that I sympathize with the struggles that you're going through and, and I'm here to help with them. Hopefully the struggle is real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like why we can really make a mess of things and maybe at a more rapid pace than another industry. Yeah. And also like you're usually dealing with higher contracts as well. So obviously you're doing like renovations in people's houses. There's more liability involved. You're probably charging a little bit more maybe. So with the higher risk becomes a greater need for solid contracts, a strong business entity, obviously insurance is a thing that you need to be having an accountant. What? Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So the thing highlighting the things to come, I suppose. I know you have a book that kind of goes, walks, people through this um what like how do you think someone should start like if they feel like they've made a mess of things they've kind of got things in quickbooks but they maybe have that folder of random receipts or shoebox what should they do yeah so first thing they need to do is go to unfuckyourbizbook.com okay. we'll link in the show notes yeah um, buy now by now, but but what I do in there is basically I teach, I call it the unfuck your biz framework. So it's a five-step framework. And the first thing we do is figure out like how much you need to be saving for quarterly taxes and understanding like tax basics and principles. Then we look at, have you done anything with your business formation so far? So have you formed an LLC? Do you have a partnership? Have you formed a corporation? And we assess whether you've actually done that correctly. Because I talk to people all the time who form C corporations when they actually meant to form an LLC or they have an escort, but they're not on payroll. Typically that comes because they've gotten really bad advice from industry peers or from accountants who just didn't have a holistic picture of their business and gave very blanket advice. So we figure out basically what needs to be fixed and that's the unfuck part of the process. <laughs> and then you basically like untangle it all and then start from scratch with forming your business entity, getting your licenses, saving your taxes, and then setting up a good bookkeeping process. So how are you gonna retract your receipts? Uh, how are you going to track your expenses? And the, the really overlooked part is how you're actually going to pay yourself. So if any of you have ever, if you've ever heard of profit first, I teach like kind of my own spin on that. It's like, let's actually pay you and save your taxes. Cause if you're not going to pay yourself, why are you, are you even in business? Right. Oh yes. Preach. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so do you talk, like, do you have recommendations or do you talk through, when one should like because I'm assuming most um designers who are solopreneurs probably started as a sole prop I did I just converted to S Corp this year so but I worked with my CPA and bookkeeper to like kind of figure out what to do but also when to do it was my big question 
Yeah. So for most people, like you want to form an LLC like as early as possible because the purpose of an LLC is to provide you with liability protection. Mm -hmm. So there's really no, like there's no threshold. Like I one time read in a Facebook group, someone said, oh, my accountant told me not to form an LLC until I was making $20,000. It's like a totally mm -hmm. arbitrary and nonsensical number that like comes out of nowhere. So I highlighted that in like a podcast episode I recorded called the top 10 worst pieces of legal advice I've seen in Facebook oh, groups. No. That was a fun one. <laughs> um, it was great. I just like, I screenshot them and put them in a oh folder and then just like reuse them for content later. That's amazing. But, we do that and just text them to each other. So maybe we should. And, I, and I'm like, who yeah. told this, who told them this? And, but it's with other, sometimes it's design related or like my architect or my contractor did, but for you, it's like, wait a minute, you're supposed to be able to rely on a CPA to give you you know, thoughtful and attentive advice. And I know you've talked about in the past how like not all CPAs are created equal. Yeah. Well, the, like the, the explainer I want to give on that is first of all, we have to realize the functions of these different paths, right? So CPAs are tax professionals. And first of all, a CPA stands for certified public accountant. So there are a lot of CPAs who don't even specialize in income tax. So first of all, you got to make sure you're hiring a CPA who specializes in taxes, but then also realizing that um, what you have, Rebecca, is a tax status. It's an S corp. That's a tax vehicle. Whereas an LLC uh, is for liability protection. It's elite, like it's a function of the law. It has nothing to do with our taxes. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes a CPA is not going to be the correct person to advise you on the best way to legally structure your business to protect yourself. That's mm -hmm. the job of an attorney. But then oftentimes attorneys don't, don't know shit about taxes. So mm -hmm. an attorney will tell you one thing, a CPA will tell you another thing, but you really need to take the guidance from both of them and marry it together in order to protect yourself and to get the best tax advantages. So or hire if you want to, like attorney. we can, right. Ideally, like tax attorneys are kind of like a whole, a whole different breed. I'm kind of an anomaly because I don't do like what most tax attorneys do. Like my, my best friend for my tax program that I went to, she now works at Deloitte in San Francisco and like her biggest, their biggest client is Facebook. So they advise mm -hmm. Facebook on, I won't say avoid taxes, but how to, how to save a lot of money I mean, on taxes. <laughs> that's what corporations do they're trying to keep limit. their money like if there's a law yeah. for it and there's a way to do it and that's i mean that trickles down to even businesses that are small like ours of well we want to keep as much of our money that we earn as possible and if we can do that by making sure we're in the right entity and the right tax strategy like that's why we want to do that Right, exactly. And like my role, I always tell people like my role is basically to tell you what the rules are and you should take advantage of them to the like the best of your ability. But then like we stop there. We're not going to try to, you know, like cheat the system or anything like that. But the way I always like to teach people LLCs, because it's a very common question you ask, like, when should we form an LLC? Um, the way I teach it in my programs is I tell people to think about the magic bubble that Glenda floats in in The Wizard of Oz. Are you with me? Like, mm -hmm. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. We know the yellow brick. Like, I watched this as a young gay child. I watched The Wizard of Oz all the time. I was obsessed with it. I don't know why. I think it just speaks to your soul in some way. But Glenda floats down. <laughs> we all wanted down to be her. her. Yes, we all wanted to be Glenda. She floats down in her magic bubble. So picture like something that's representative of your business in the bubble. So I usually think about like my computer, not Glenda. Otherwise this gets very morbid. But the <laughs> bubble, like the bubble in the circumstance is your LLC. So if a client ever sues you for breach of contract, for like property damage, any of this kind of stuff, 
then imagine your object that's representative of your business, the computer like exploding inside of the bubble. So your business blows up, but the bubble's magic and it contains all the shrapnel of that explosion of that lawsuit within the bubble and everything that you own on the outside of the bubble stays safe and protected. Without the LLC, there's no shield, no nothing. So that kind of explosion can hit all sorts of shit. So basically- All of Munchkin land. Right, all of Munchkin land is at risk. All of Munchkin land is your personal livelihood. (laughs) Yes. Lollipops Um, everywhere. (laughs) Lollipops everywhere. It's a mess. Yeah, you're gonna have to get like a new brick person in to come put your yellow bricks back in the right pattern. Okay. Okay, I'm really visualizing this. Do, okay, so (laughs) the LLC is just the bubble. Like there's no money really involved with tax or tax money involved or you and or it's contained to the bubble so if that lawsuit affects the llc it's not bleeding into your personal finances and then right stopping you from your mortgage and your house and exactly so people like people can't come after your personal assets to satisfy a judgment like that's the legal language that we use um Mm -hmm. but this is separate from our taxes so when you're a sole proprietorship you file your taxes on a schedule c that's just the form where your business income and expenses goes on the tax return. But then once you file an LLC, it's the same thing. That was a really bad lead up. It's the exact same thing. So LLC is also- Is it different? Yeah, (laughs) And I have an LLC, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I use the same one. I, I think I was like, it. I think I, I paused for dramatic effect because I was going to say something <laughs> cheeky, but then I didn't have anything cheeky to say. So LLCs also file on a Schedule C. They're the exact same. So this is why it, it really drives me bananas because a lot of people will say, my CPA told me not to form an LLC until I'm making this amount of money because it's not going to save me taxes. And what they're really saying is, is that an S Corp helps save you taxes, but only once you hit like certain profit metrics. But with that, what we usually people don't realize is that an S corp's not actually a legal entity. It's just a tax status. So when you form mm-hmm. an LLC, you can opt for your LLC to be taxed as a sole proprietorship, an S corporation, or a C corporation. And when you form a C corporation, you can do those same things. So really what you're doing most of the time is you're going to form an LLC. And then once you're making enough money in your business, you're going to fill out this extra form that says, hey, IRS, I want to take advantage of this magical section of the tax code, subchapter S, which gets me tax breaks. And that's when we say that you have an S corp. So Rebecca, I'm guessing what you did, you went straight from a sole prop to an S corp. Then you kind of skipped what I always call the middle part, which is going, which is just the LLC part. Do I have the LLC part too? The protection oh, of so, the protection part in your S-corp, yes, you, you, you do. You definitely have you have the liability protection of the LLC because what happened was whoever you hired to do yours, they would have either formed an LLC and elected it to be taxed as an S corp, or they formed a corporation and elected it to be taxed as an S corp. Either way, you have liability protection. Great. <laughs> yeah. she's gonna sleep better tonight yeah you'll 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 sleep better but for our newer business owners what i always tell people is to form your llc as soon as you can afford it but if you're in a high-risk business you can't afford to be in business until you can afford to have your llc in california we're at a disadvantage because our llcs are 800 a year but i have mm-hmm. students like in my home state of indiana it's a 35 fee every other year 
That's oh like if God. it's costing you $35 every two years, let's just like form it before you launch your business. Oh my, I had no idea. I mean, I know what ours is because I'm paying that every year, but I didn't realize how expensive it was compared to other states. Um, yeah, like I don't think I've seen any other states that are more than like 250 a year. Most of them are between like 100 and 200. Oh my God, and there's freaking Facebook with all their money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's Jeez. a it's a little wild. So usually I just tell people to think of your LLC as like an added layer of insurance. Um, yeah, it's I like an $800 insurance premium right. every year for us. Rebecca, yeah. you're looking at me like that, but my past career, Braden, I was 13 years in banking and one of my last roles had a lot of um, regulatory compliance, anti-money laundering, bank secrecy acts type of, it was... It was a crazy world, this type of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. But when I left that, so much of that, oh my God, things can go wrong thought process from that whole career, like fueled the start of my business. And almost in like a, you could scare yourself out of doing things because of how frightening the world can be and like litigation and legal compliance. Like it can be really overwhelming to a, someone starting business on their own if they know that those things are out there versus just like skipping down the yellow brick road, not realizing that there's flying monkeys coming at you later. <laughs> yeah. Are either, are either of you like super into the Enneagram like I am? Seven. Okay. I'm, <laughs> so I'm also an, I'm yeah, an I'm also an Enneagram seven, which usually surprises people because <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of set like a tax attorney is not like a typical seven job, but I always joke that like Enneagram sixes are the easiest people to sell into my programs. Cause I'm like, just get your LLC. If nothing yeah, else, you're just, it's just helping you sleep everything. better at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I often call them, I feel like you'll appreciate this analogy. I call it one of the layers of protection. So I'm like, they're just layers, right? So it's like being in cold weather, like how many layers you need depends on where, where you are, how cold you are, whether you're naturally a cold person or a warm person, you just layer on the protection. So insurance is a layer, contracts are a layer. I call those the two essentials, like you have to have them. And then the okay. LLC is kind of like the next extra check mark. And then beyond that, we get into like trademarks, like advanced insurance policies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Sean's like in the head-to-toe snowsuit with the... <laughs> it's 71 degrees and I'm wearing a full Eskimo parka. And I'm like wearing a scarf. I'm like, oh, the next building's just right up there. I'm sure we'll find a fire soon. Don't, like, don't yeah, like, my high heels look great. cute? It'll be like, fine. Well, it's, it's because you and, I, like, you and I as Enneagram 7s were like conflict avoidant, but we're, we're like massive avoiders, right? So if anything, I'll, I'll just use myself. So if anything, I'm always like, oh, I don't need a, like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll worry about that later. I didn't need to worry about it. I'm just not even going to think about it, right? Right, um, it'll all work out. It'll all work out. It's going to be great. And then I'm yeah. sitting there until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. We're all yeah, going to die. When... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is a good balancing act for designers who are very focused on creativity, the expression, the which is really the smallest part of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis, but we can get caught up in all of those things that are like really fun and cool, but we can't focus on those things if we haven't handled an appropriate strategy for the way our business operate, the way that they're formed. Without that foundation, we we really can't be giving our full self to those other tasks. 
Right. And I like, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of like everyone being the CEO of their own business. And that entails like actually knowing what needs to be done. And even if you're going to hire it out, like you need to have enough knowledge on these topics to be able to audit that things are being done, not necessarily correctly, but just that they're even being done. Right. So like I have one student who hired an attorney and a CPA to form her business, but she still ended up like no one paid her franchise taxes for four years for her LLC. So she ended up owing her franchise taxes plus interest and penalties. And she had to hire another accountant to file them. So it was like $4,000. And she was like, yeah, she was like, I'm a six figure business owner. And I hired all the people I thought I needed to hire. And I felt so like, I felt so much guilt and embarrassment when, when this happened, I was like, it's pretty common story. That's why it's important for you just to like learn your compliance tasks in your business. And then you can like actually task it out to people if you want to. But at least, you know, when the taxes are due and you're like, Hey, did you do that? Like, yeah, you can can at least call (laughs) your accountant and be like, Hey, Gary, like franchise taxes are due next week. Have you got your, like, do you have your shit in gear yet? Or do I need to call someone else? Yeah. Do you have my receipt? Did that happen? (laughs) Yes. Send me the call, like send me the confirmation number. I need to write that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I la- early, maybe it was the very, no, no, no. We're going back into like 2019 now, but I brought on a much better bookkeeper than where I started my business. And that's, I had to like level up to someone who really understood things to where the first time I had to file my own um, sales tax for, you know, goods that I sold, I was like, I am never doing this again because it took me so much longer. I went to the little class that they taught at the local like county office. And I was like, why am I doing this? I should not be doing this. And legit, it took a professional bookkeeper with a, you know, under a CPA at the company they work with. It took her like 15 minutes to do something that took me hours to make sure I was doing right. But I did learn from that of like, oh, now I know what she needs to do that correctly and like where my books need to be and why and what numbers she's looking at. So when we were preparing for it, it was so much faster because I know what reports to look at in my own bookkeeping, compare them to the numbers that we're filing. And then it's easy to just follow through with it and do the double checks instead of having to do the whole process on my own. Yeah. That's a good example because the sale the sales tax return is actually pretty short and snappy. If you already have mm-hmm. all the numbers in front of you, it's doing all the bookkeeping for the sales taxes, the time consuming part, but it you also rough. have to know, <laughs> yeah, you also have to know what's subject to sales tax and then get all of that categorized. It's a good point though, because people should be really careful, especially in the design business that you're working with a bookkeeper and an accountant who actually knows and understands sales taxes. Cause a lot of accountants don't even handle sales tax. Right. So you got to ask them that. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Really. <laughs> no, what, I mean, no, they My don't first... handle it. Like that's they, like, they just don't know. Like yeah, they like you, you could get in a bookkeeper or an accountant who just doesn't even know like the sales tax, like filing requirements in California, like most people in California have to file sales tax returns every quarter. Um, you got to be saving the sales taxes, obviously, but there's all sorts of other rules. 
And if they don't like really focus on that or offer it as a service, then they're not like, they're not going to be on it's top like too of it. It's like too granular no for what they do. Yeah. 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 But all like also the interior design business is pretty niche and you guys, you have a lot of specialty rules with regard to sales tax. So yeah. I would try to find a bookkeeper that actually does bookkeeping for other designers in California and knows the sales tax rules. That's what I just hired. And she knows the software that I just took, started using. So she's, Yeah. Yeah, I want someone to know exactly what I'm doing and be ahead of me. So I'm not somehow the novice training somebody on the industry. Well, and catching bad habits before we build them. Like before you got too sucked into a purchase order model or a way you document things to have someone help you catch that early and change the habit helps. Yes. If I ever get like back invited to uh, like a tax class and they ask me like, what should I do if I want to start my own business? I'm just going to say, pick a niche and learn everything about it. And you'll be like fully booked with clients in six months. Like, could you yeah. imagine if you have like a 24 year old out there who's like, oh, I decided I'm going to become a bookkeeper and accountant for California interior designers. And they knew like all the rules front and back within three months, they'd, they'd get all the business. Totally. Oh my God. Guaranteed. Hey, Sean, have you signed up for the Hot Young Designers Club newsletter? Oh, no. Really? Is this you not wanting to clutter your inbox with a lot of excess junk? No, no. Let me do it. Where do I need to go? You need to go to hotyoungdesignersclub.com. Scroll down till you get to the subscribe button. Just pop in your email address and your name. All right. I'm doing it right now. Is this going to be a bunch of spam? It's not. It's actually not going to be anything until we actually get around to sending something. But we have big plans and we want to be able to send surveys to get feedback from our audience. And maybe once in a while, a special surprise or a recap. All right. I'm on it. Thank you. Back to the show. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this is important too, especially for designers out there that are like, what this just feels like too much for my current business. But really it's like, I think you mentioned it's laying the foundation for the growth of your business because it's really, I mean, the more complicated and bigger your business gets, like the harder it is to unfuck. Like there's a lot of undoing. (laughs) You're like having to go back to multiple years of returns and figure out where you messed up. Like I changed like my, um, my invoicing and proposal software three times last year, which was just so stupid trying to figure it out. And luckily I didn't have such huge volume that I couldn't go and unravel each PO, each invoice and like reapply it. But I spent a weekend away locked in a room doing it. And luckily I was still like, I'm still pretty young in my business, but trying to do something yeah, for, like that later. The volume was high, jeepers. Yeah. For like the brand new people of like, if this conversation is a little overwhelming to them, like what I would say is like forming your LLC, getting your business licenses, doing all of that. Like I teach that in my programs. If you want to learn more, you can contact me, but that's like a month long process. It's, you know, it's just something that you have to do. You have to set it up. And then it's like a 15 minute check-in once a quarter. It's not a big obligation. It's not that complicated. It's just a one-time setup thing. When it comes to all the tracking that we're talking about, 
Like you can take, you can both probably attest to this. You can take months and months to set up like the perfect process, but really in the beginning, it's just, it's just tracking everything. It's just figuring out what's the best way I can be organized. How can I organize all my documents for one client? Do I work really well with spreadsheets? If so, maybe I have like an Excel spreadsheet for each client. And then I have one Excel spreadsheet. That's like my business income in and out. I think we can overcomplicate it. And we think that there's specific ways we have to track everything. But in mm-hmm. reality, most of our tax obligations are just showing like a valid process in which we've verified how we're getting money and how we're spending it. So come up with your own until you like have the time and, and energy into investing in like the perfect quote unquote system if that exists. Yeah, because my, <laughs> like my CPA, she kind of helped me straighten some things out in my books. And she's like, all I'm doing is like income and expenses. Like, I don't care what percentage you did this type of client or how many consultations you did or all of that is just like sales strategy and like internal processes of growing the business, which is important to track, but it's not, yeah, it doesn't affect taxes or Right. We have like, there are a lot of, there are a lot of different like ways we can talk, like kind of talk about the difference, but I just differentiate between tax accounting and then I call it CFO accounting. There's some definitely much more technical jargon, but if you ever have like a CFO come on your podcast, like their big topics on are how to focus on profitability, like that kind of stuff. And if you're doing that kind of accounting, yeah, you want, like, you want to know where are my referral sources coming from? Um, who pays me the most, what kind of projects do I have the most ROI on? Like kitchens are really expensive on the client end to redo, but can I charge more for kitchens? Maybe I like them more, they're more profitable. That's like one set of bookkeeping that you can kind of do over on the right side if you want. And like, if you fuck it up, like no harm, no foul. But yeah, Mm -hmm. for IRS purposes, like how much did you get paid by clients in 2020? How much money did you expend? Did you spend on deductible expenses? Mm -hmm. What was your profit? Like, that's what we need to know. And how much sales tax did you collect? Yeah. And then we have sales tax, we have income tax. <laughs> and then hopefully we have like you have separate accounting. and didn't spend. <laughs> yeah. Top, top tip for everyone. Like if you're just starting out, the best thing you can do, um, open a separate bank account just for your sales taxes. And every time you collect the sales tax, just immediately transfer it over, keep the money there, never touch it. This Mm -hmm. is the big difference between income tax and sales tax. When we pay our income taxes, we're paying taxes based on the income that we earned. Pretty straightforward, right? It's like a bill that we have to pay. When we collect sales taxes, that's not our money to begin with. It's literally the government's money. We're just holding it in trust for them. So when you blow your sales tax money that you've collected, it's a much bigger problem than if you're just late on your income taxes. So you don't want to mess around with that. Yeah, I don't want to spend the state's money. Yeah. Did I scare did I scare everyone yet? I mean we did talk about this in a previous episode when I I needed to open this was a while ago. Gosh, I feel like that was a while ago now. That was like last summer. Um where I had had the one account so long and then I just would keep track of like I was having to do the manual work of keeping track of that for so long. I don't know why I waited so long. I knew that that money was there and I knew what the running liability, you know, that I owed for sales tax was. But eventually it became like a, I just don't want this in that same number. Like I want to look at my accounts and look at my cash flow, and be able to say like, this part is mine. 
this part is for taxes and this is for client retainers. Like this is a liability if I don't finish this project. Um, and it made it so much easier to understand my cash flow when I started separating it much better. Physically and like different accounts. Yeah, like not that's a just, profit, that's a not just on a thing, sheet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always like tell people like profit first did not invent cash flow; it just popularized it. So the way I think about it, like I we probably all have one of these like wild like um, obsessive ants. I know I do. Maybe you all do too. But they have envelopes for everything. This is also mm. the Dave Ramsey method. So oh, they're yeah. like, oh, I got my paycheck, and they literally withdraw it cash from their bank account. And they're like, I put 5%, like my mom, 5% in my Christmas envelope. So her Christmas envelope collects <laughs> oh. cash all year. That's her Christmas yeah. budget. And then I have my car repair envelope, my grocery envelope. So that's what you're doing. You're just using bank accounts instead of envelopes with cash in them. What I do and what I tell my students to do is we use like a, it's like a savings app called Capital, spelled Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. I have an affiliate link if anyone wants it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it connects to your bank account and then can automatically save money. So we set up a capital savings account for your taxes. And so you calculate how much you need to save for income taxes and it will automatically pull 17%, 23%, whatever you tell it um, before you ever touch the money. So we set aside hmm. money for income taxes automatically. And then you oh. would go in on the 10th and 25th to transfer any sales tax you've been paid by clients over those past two weeks, manually transfer it into it a sales tax banking account. And then we do the same thing for business expenses and for salary. So that way you have a dedicated account for your business expenses for the sole purpose of if that account is regularly being overdrawn or you don't have enough in there to cover your expenses, then your business is not profitable enough and you need to cut your expenses. And then we of course do the salary so that you are actually diligently paying yourself. Because what we all have a habit of doing is we'll say, oh, you know what? I got a new client. I'm going to buy that new podcast microphone, or I'm going to get like new business cards, or I'm going to like hire another VA. And then you're constantly just doing that in your business. And you're not realizing over the period of several months, like how much you've taken out of your own pocket. And now you don't have the money in your bank account to do your own home renovation that you've probably been wanting to do forever. Um, mm -hmm. So it's kind of like right. you're stealing from your future self every time you overspend in your business. I mean, I'm here for the pay yourself first mentality, which is like, why are we in business if we're not here to get paid? It's like, that's the difference between the hobby business or the right. sort of like hobby level, you know, and that there are certainly like operating businesses that are essentially work like a hobbyist, but in, in for Rebecca and I, it's like, no, this is to make contributions to our families, to our futures, to trips we want to take personally, not for business, you know, things we want, you know, a new hat, yeah. <laughs> whatever. I think a lot of, yeah, <laughs> Starbucks hat. budget, whatever it is. Like, I think there are some people like, especially people who enter into this as like their second career and they kind of like want to think it, about it as a hobby because it feels more carefree in life that way. And it's like, no one's telling you that just because you're calling it a business and treating it like a business, that it's no longer going to be enjoyable. It just means that you're taking things seriously, right? <laughs> right. So 
I have students in my current, like in the current round of my program who are brand new in business. And every week when we get on our call to talk about our cash flow percentages, they're all like, but do I have to do that? I'm not really making any money. And I'm like, well, until you're making at least a thousand dollars a month, let's go ahead and set aside 10% of every client payment you do get into your salary account, just so you're building good habits and paying yourself a little bit and not reinvesting at like a hundred percent into the business. And then I'm like, our goal is once you're six months in to get the salary up to 30%. And then once you're one year in, get your salary up to 50%. Like that's kind of, that's the way we think about it. So you're just adjusting those percentages little by little until you're getting it to where you're paying, you know, maybe 25% to taxes, 25% to expenses, 25, 50% to yourself. Hmm. That's a cool sort of strategy to think about like building yourself to that level where what do I need to do to be able to take that 50%? Like that's the, that, and that's that combination you were mentioning where it's like the CFO thought process is clients, projects, ideal, this or that, what are we charging? But then it's the side here where we're thinking about if we want to be able to take 50% of what we're bringing in as our salary and what do we want that magic salary number to be? that you can kind of work backwards into it. Right. Cause otherwise people get on, I call it the, the, what the fuck happened to my money hamster wheel. Like I have really <laughs> long names for everyone for everything, but it's the word fuck this, is like, in all of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the effort is in all of them. I also have the oh shit cycle, but that relates to back taxes. We could talk about that later if you want, but the WTF WTF happened to my money hamster wheel. That's like when we're three years in and we go to do our taxes, like, this is where I've been like several years. I finally started doing this for my own business. And then I started teaching it to others. We get three years in we're like, oh, like my tax return shows that I made $70,000 this year. But like, how come I don't feel like my day-to-day like financial life is any easier than it was three years ago? Like I'm still kind of like struggling at the end of the month to, you know, get the money I need to pay my bills next month. And I'm not just like taking those vacations that I thought I would be once I was making $70,000. And it's because people let their business expenses just naturally grow alongside their business income. And so if you just, if you just have intentionality when you're starting out and you carry that with you as you grow, then it's just something in the back of your mind. And it's not, you know, anything that's like too crazy. Bookkeeper I started working with, she was mentioning, I don't know how this would factor in, but she was mentioning that she has clients that So our income is made from design service fees and product sales. And so she has um, clients that do all of their payroll comes through design service fees and they save the furniture sales and then bonus themselves out at the end of the year, quarter, whatever. How would that work? Like how would, would that still work with what you're saying? Yeah, it's just Depends like on there's what different. Yeah, there's different ways you can split it up. Like what I do or, or what I teach people to do is like really when we when I said earlier 50% salary, what we're oftentimes doing is it's a 40% salary and then you're saving 10% for profit. So when you have an S corp, like this is actually the way it works when you have an S corp, you put yourself on payroll on a salary mm-hmm. and then you should be getting you should be getting salary payments every two weeks or once a month, like a normal employee would through your payroll company. That's your salary. And then all the other profit you have in your business, you'll typically will pay out to yourself once a quarter. Some people do it once a year, but that's like your bonus. And so we do those allocations. Um, so you're paying yourself the same way, even before you have an S corp, 
the method that your um, finance person is suggesting is just to, instead of doing this percentage of the overall business, they're like, your design, the reason why they probably broke it down this way is because your design fee is really direct compensation for your hourly labor. So that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense for that to be your salary payments because it's compensation for labor put in. And then usually profit is just like your reward for being the owner of your business. And so it does make sense that they'll say, we'll pay your profit distributions out of your product sales because that's like just more passive oriented income. Mm -hmm. And we can control our hours or should. Right. That's the nice thing when it comes to like cash flow and CFO type stuff. There's not, I mean, there are some people who are like very staunch and they will tell you there's a right and a wrong way to do things. But ultimately for me, it's like a lot of it's just psychology. So like what's going to work the best for your business and get you to like do the things that you need to do. And then also administratively, like what's the easiest way to run it in order to hit the goals that, that you want to hit. Yeah. I kind of like, I mean, I like that idea of like psychologically that carrot of the furniture sales bonus, like having that big chunk. Like, I don't know if I'd want to wait a year for it because <laughs> it could be a lot, but um, like quarterly or I don't know, we've talked about different ways of doing that. Like motivating yourself to keep those sales moving too. Like, yeah, if you know, that's dependent on you getting some of that compensation. You're like, we need to get to this. Like, and a bigger chunk is just more rewarding than a bunch of smaller checks, even though it adds up to the same. Right. I have like, I, being in the course world, I have some friends who will like all of their primary income is their salary. And then anything they make from like affiliate sales or referral sales, they'll put in their profit account. So that becomes like their quarterly bonus. So it's just like also just different ways you can incentivize yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Fun. I want to hear more cautionary tales like that person who had four years of taxes. I'm here for all of those. Like Rebecca and I talk about this a lot. I'm the, what's the worst that could happen? And I usually have examples of that in our, like in the design world of like, hey, you should probably not be the one hammering nails into that plumbing wall to hang a piece of art. Like... Unless you have insurance, like, um, but and I I'm like the, what's it. the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> it's really so, just how you say it. That's, that's also like, I want to hear more of these cautionary tales. Cause I think that really drives home the, the responsibilities that we have. Do you have any like big fuck ups? Yeah. I mean, I probably, like, I probably have a lot, like usually I feel like you'll have to give me a topic and then I can usually think of a story, but it's a lot of, I mean, go ahead. I mean, I think a lot of our job is spent in bookkeeping, um, but also the- What about bad contracts? Yeah, you got any like <laughs> worst- Sean loves yeah, worst, I, I have, worst I have client a few. ever. On the, on the bookkeeping, I will kind of, I'll tease a future episode of my podcast, if you don't mind. A couple, this was before, before Christmas, I interviewed a fellow tax attorney who, she does what we call tax controversy work, which means she represents Ooh. you against the IRS. So if you ever have to go against the IRS, you would hire oh. someone like her. So she shared a lot of oh, fun no. stories and bookkeeping no-nos. So I think that's scheduled to release on my episode, on my podcast in a couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Oh, I'm here for um, this. Contract wise, <laughs> I don't have a lot of interior design horror stories. Um, I have like more in the wedding industry because I work with a lot of wedding professionals. Uh, but I do have, like I talked to a pretty well, well-known wedding planner um several weeks ago 
And she does a lot of celebrity weddings. So we're talking like multi-million dollar weddings, which is like crazy to me. Like her planner, her, her like planning fees, like a hundred thousand dollars, but she had a contract. <laughs> Basically she had a contract uh, where it didn't have a lot of specificity with regard to costs. And she had booked out a few different costs for this person's wedding. And it came out to $80,000. And then this person ended up suing her. And luckily, like the saving, like kind of like the saving grace of the story is that she had really good professional liability insurance. So her insurance ended up fighting it, paying her attorney's fees, but they did end up, the insurance ended up paying out that $80,000 on the contract. So this is an, yeah, this is an example. I think a lot of times, like when we think about, when we think about contracts and we think about liability, we think about like, oh, I'm going to like knock a wrong. I don't know. You guys can probably get better examples than I win. But that like the nail hits like a piece of the plumbing or something. But can it also just be like con like breach of contract issues as well? Right. And so hers was about how the she gets expenses? paid for things that she should have been paid for. Yeah, because essentially she had a, she fronted the cost. She fronted $80,000 of costs, like different vendors. I, I think she said specifically they were like outdoor tent rentals in Malibu, like cliffside tent rentals, like that kind of stuff. So oh her company God. fronted the cost. And then he basically was like, I don't Not know if he it. claims he never gave approval for it or whatever. She said that he was just a dick. So he basically was like, I'm not paying for it. And he, um, gave, he gave, when she told me the story, it gave me very Trumpian vibes. Basically, she was like, this is just a rich guy that like has this, a staff of attorneys like on, on hand. And he was like, fight me. I'm not paying it. And she did fight it. Um, but yeah. But still, like she had to go through all of the like strife the anxiety yeah like that that's a part that we don't want to have to deal with so yeah we we don't want that we don't want and that. that can happen in our industry too where you know we're like the final retailer of things and you know like some the nature of some things is that they are irregular uh whether it's a type of tile or that like a stone a stone material that we recommend for countertops, naturally patinas and etches like marble. And we're almost in this business of having to over disclose and document. And it seems ridiculous in the moment, but then in the future, it saves us so much more hassle and frustration to really have this trail of documentation of like, this is how it works. And in her case, not having a pathway of how she gets reimbursed or making it more formalized really made it painful. Yes. Yeah. And off topic while you were, while you were talking about that, I was thinking of this Instagram post I saw the other day of a designer I follow and they were like polish. I don't know if scrubbing off, polishing off the patina off this like giant copper hood in someone's kitchen. And I'm like, A, that like looks really pretty, but B, that's like a ton of work. And isn't it just going to like get a patina again really quick? Yes. Yeah, like especially where there's like moisture and steaming pots of stuff, like you know, coming up onto the hood or something. Like, it's just it going to do very, it. Again. It looked like very nice. I was like, this would look really good with my La Croce collection. That was what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are the types of things that, um, as designers, not everybody's thinking about. Like, I have a care and maintenance like guide that I deliver to clients at, you know, at the end of a project, which really spends a lot of time talking about like, Hey, don't, don't use bleach in your, basically don't use bleach anywhere in your house period. Cause it ruins everything. Um, but 
for the most part, it's just discouraging things like harsh chemicals on natural brass finishes. Or your really handmade tile that and, you just... Ugh. Yeah, it's and interesting that's the type to hear of stuff. you. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because I have a housekeeper coming in the morning and she specifically texts me to ask me to like go buy another thing of bleach at the store today. <laughs> simple I, green, get her some simple I green and that's it. I don't recommend bleach for like, honestly, laundry only is really like if soap and water can help us fight if hot hot water and soap can help us fight coronavirus it's mostly sufficient for everything in your house i use like dawn dish soap to clean everything i don't i use white vinegar like diluted white vinegar is really good to get rid of lime or corrosion if you have hard water and you're in southern california so you probably have hard water where you are too I hate that calcified water. It's yeah, everywhere. Probably. So that's like, those are the things like if if I could like warn off any client, I don't want them calling me in six months and being like, this this faucet you sold me is defective. And then I'm like, what have you been using to clean it? Oh, you never told me I can't use bleach on it. And it's like, oh Lord. Well, this I is, don't. so this is probably a good <laughs> example of another, another contract clause you'd want to have in your contract. Don't use bleach ever. <laughs> Well, it's like designers not responsible. A designers not responsible for like any faulty appliances. Like contact the appliance company. But like yeah. B, also you have to understand that each material we put in your property is going to have its own care and maintenance, and we're not responsible if you don't maintain and upkeep that properly. Lord, yes. And maybe don't you need to have. Thing. Maybe we should have like a signed um, release of the care and maintenance packet. Like you've received and reviewed this. Yes. Bye. Yes. Yeah. Versus like my method is like, hey, I'm giving this to you. You're also getting a PDF like email version. But then someone could always presumably say, I never got that or I never read it. And you were like, okay, but now if we make it something you had to like click in and acknowledge or put it in Dubsado. Put it in Dubsado, add it into your automated workflow. I love that. That actually reminds me like just this morning I was sitting in my chair and noticed I have a few like um, water rings on my marble side table. And I'm like, oh, can I just like clean those out? Or is this is why marble is such a pain in the ass? Did I like Mm -hmm. screw it over for life? That's marble. You're building the patina is what you need to tell. <laughs> yeah, it's That's how we would sell it. Parisian, like a Parisian cafe table. Like it's going to have a story of its own to just tell. Just get more water rings. Yeah. Okay. I'll just add more water rings. Perfect. Like when you cut lemons for your water, cut them on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like really no. get, go at it. Like tomatoes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. More vinegar. Just all the, just, just rubbing acidity into the marble. That's Got exactly okay. like, I've actually had, I've seen other designers helping clients who have countertops where they were polished marble and they've etched to the point where they actually can go in with chemicals and make them a honed finish. Mm-hmm. So that way all of the etching and stuff kind of just blends into one honed finish because they started off with polished. So it's like there, there can be a second life to it. Mm-hmm. If, if you get it super etched and you don't love it you can naturally hone it right like i think you can na- naturally hone it with vinegar yeah you can apply vinegar to it and it will, it will i don't like i don't have the time i don't have the time the time patience or attention to detail for these high maintenance finishes like just so, give me 
No, maybe. Just give me quartz that I could like, st- yeah, just like stab with a knife and be totally you fine. Could put hot pots directly on it. it yeah, just no stainless problem. steel countertops. <laughs> <laughs> and you can always have, have those buffed out. Kitchen. Like, yeah, it's cra- yeah. Everyone wants to live their like Swedish chef dream where they're like chopping and everything. <laughs> like, no. Nobody can do that on their counters, but they've lived well, this like barefoot Contessa dream. Like, yeah. See, I would not do that because I have a four hundred dollars chef knife, so I have to treat the knife with like delicate care and attention. Oh. So I have a big butcher block. It's carbon steel, so you got to dry it every time. So, yeah, we would we would not be about that life. Oh, like every time I watch British Bake Off and I see Paul Hollywood like cutting the desserts like with a knife directly onto a plate. It like it like spikes my adrenaline and I get it's anxiety. Like nails I'm like, on a what are you doing? Board. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, we got far off of legal and tax topics, but maybe that I was mean, like the relief that your audience on, needed for a few minutes. Very on brand for our show, actually. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Brayden, are you up for? Um, we have a segment called the Burning Questions. Okay. Um, All right. We just do. We'll, like, we'll give it a shot. Quick... If I'm not feeling it, I'll just in the. I'll just in the. Interview. You'll just like log off. You'll just like quit the program, <laughs> and then that. Thank you so much. Um, these are like quick fire style. Just tap into your brain. Get to know you better. Um, our first question in one sentence: How has your business changed as a result of COVID nineteen? I would say that COVID nineteen is taught me how to pivot better and meet the more immediate need, more immediate needs of my audience. What have you done for, well, you are Mr. Professional Development. So what have you done for professional development recently that you'd recommend to our listeners? Take a day off. Oh. <laughs> oh. Like that's a good yeah. one. Because you're thinking about design a lot for, um, as you're looking at your home and things like that, what's one design element that you've really been drawn to lately, like a material or an object or a finish or something like that? Okay, so this one's really easy because I just posted this on my Instagram stories yesterday. Um, for a really long time, I've wanted to have like all gray slate floors through my whole house. Mm-hmm. I don't think aesthetically that like really goes with where we're looking to potentially move, but I do want to like try, try to maybe do it in the bathroom. If you could live in the set of any TV show or movie, which would it be? This is a hard one because I feel like these aren't my answers are not at all rapid fire, but I feel like all of my favorite shows, I definitely would not want to go into them. Hmm. So I guess I would say Friends because that's like, it would be hmm. cozy. But like, I love Shit's Creek, but I'm like, I don't want to move into a motel room. You know what I mean? You don't want to be in the rose bed, no. no. Right. Like love, no. like love Veep and love the West Wing, but like the traditional like White House DC interior design aesthetic. I don't know what you all call that in your profession. That's like the opposite of what like I'm going classical, for. Classical, yeah. Yeah, that's not I don't want to be like in a suit on an, inor- an on an ornate chair. That's not my vibe. Okay, what's one non-living object that you would save from your home in a fire? For a materialist like myself, this is also a very difficult question. <laughs> Like Do I would I have cheat a U-Haul? And, yeah, I would cheat and say like my whole luck say collection, but mm. I'm not going to say that because they should survive a fire. So I can just like walk back in yeah. and take them out later. And they're really heavy. Yeah. yeah and they're really heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say like my new leather jacket that I got from theory would be up there, but also mm. my Birkenstock collection would be a tough call. Wait, there's mm. a collection of Birkenstocks? 
Yeah, just like four or five pairs, but it's like in okay. my bio on my website. It's like kind of what I'm known for. It's I describe <laughs> myself of like if Victoria Beckham like really committed herself to athleisure wear and Birkenstocks, which basically just means I wear all black and collect Birkenstocks. Yeah, it's like an elevated version of it. Yeah, Rebecca convinced me last year to buy. We, they're not actually called this. Oh, but the Birkenstocks. We, we call them Birkenstocks, <laughs> apparently, which is like the they can get wet, like they're like croc material. The whole Birkenstock is that sort of plasticky. Okay, material. I feel like I hate that, but I'd have to see it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm telling you, like I mean, they're so great. Are you? Are you, you talking about the, the actual? Yard? Are you talking about the actual Birkenstocks that are that material or a yes. different yes. shoe? Yeah, yeah, oh, they're Birkenstocks okay. yeah, that, that are that. That material. I can get behind. And they're in but, like bright yeah, colors. Like, yes, those are made for like, like pool for the pool. The pool yeah. or like gardening or whatever, and you just hose them off. And versus your actual Birkenstock, like the cork is never really going to yeah. do well, and like yeah, it's a whole. So if anyone's listening. Yeah, if anyone's listening and they like care enough about Birkenstocks to Google, the pair that I just got for Christmas are called the Rotterdam. And I've been wanting them for like two years, but every time I went to order, they were out of my size. So I just got those. I'm very excited. And next I'm going to get the Kyoto for like more dress purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Upscale perks. Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited. Yeah. Now, if everyone follows me on Instagram, they're, I feel like they're now well aware of the kind of hot takes they're going to get on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Brayden's uh, pick of the week. <laughs> I like these Kyotos. I feel like I need to get on. Are those Influence. nice? Like the, navy, yeah. like the navy navy suede? Cute. The black's cute. Well, I, I think I'm going to get your book because I just want to like double check some things. Okay. Yeah. Grab it. Grab a copy. Um, I would like to promise like Amazon level speed, but uh, unfortunately that's not the, not the thing we're running over here. You can get a, uh, e- like the ebook instantaneously, but if you order a hardcover, my virtual assistant goes on and puts in the every order once a week through the book printer and each book is individually printed to be sent oh. to your house. So it takes like that. three or four weeks, but you get it in due time. Oh, I love it. I what like are the some of handcrafted element of it? It's artisanal. It's an artisanal <laughs> book. It is cute. It's very graphically appealing, which you know is important to us that it looks good when you look at when you pick it up. Yes, my um, cousin slash graphic designer did the cover for me. Very important. Very yeah. That's I judge all books it. by their cover, so <laughs> same. Said said the former graphics <laughs> designer. <laughs> And still current for the most part, doing a lot of graphic design. This is why this is why my book cost about three times as much as like the average self-published book because I was adamant about it being a beautifully designed hardcover book. And like my book coach on a very weekly basis would be like, "Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to do that?" And the answer was always yes. I'm into it. Yeah, if you liked if you liked the Glinda example, you're gonna you're gonna love it because there's oh, lots I'm of ready. dumb shit like that in there. <laughs> can you can you share with our listeners where they would find you? Yeah, like physically or on the internet? <laughs> on the inter on the interwebs. Yeah, not okay. stocky. I'm not literalist, stockery. so yeah, people can find. Everyone can follow me on Instagram at Braden Adam Drake. That's B R A D E N. Adam, like the biblical figure, Drake, like the rapper. That's my full name, Braden Adam Drake. And then my website is at www.bradendrake.com. I also have a Facebook group called Braden's Besties, where I do live, totally free 
Ask Me Anything Q&As every Friday. Uh, and those are the big things. I got like a lot of stuff going on. Unfuck Your Biz podcast, Unfuck Your Biz with Brayden podcast. You can subscribe to that as well. Yeah, your podcast is nice too because some of the episodes are just like short little bites about like kind of deep topics. Yes. Yeah, what like we ours, do is- go on and on and on. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> when you, so when people join my Facebook group, one of the question prompts is tell me a legal or tax question that you have. And then my virtual assistant saves all of those uh, on a Trello board for me. And then every Tuesday I pick one question to answer on the podcast. So those are usually under five minutes. And then the Thursday episodes are anywhere from like 10 minutes to a half an hour. Some of, more of those are interviews. Thank you. We really appreciate it, Brandon. We had a blast. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Have so a good day. Much. Talk Thanks, soon. you too. Later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. If we cared to explore them. But are there any I would say one of us a RuPaul Masterclass? <laughs> oh my God, that's all my. T- Actually, that's after my to do list. I, I want to sign up for Masterclass due to the French cooking classes. Oh, um, yeah. Specifically, I want to get, I want to become like, my goal is to become a saucier because it's really easy to make like a filet mignon. But then if you can make fancy French sauces, it's like yeah. you're basically doing fan. You could do a different fancy dinner every night without needing to have a whole lot of ingredients. And like a failed meal could easily become a winner again with the right sauce. Like, oh, that wasn't right. Oh, well, sauce. Like, everyone yeah, I mean, loves how great, like, sauce. You go, to your, you go to your friend's house and they're like, hey, like, I'm going to make dinner. Can you whip up a side dish? And it's like, well, you have asparagus. I'll just, you know, like whip up a nice little hollandaise to go with those. No mm. big deal. Yeah. Get all your mother's sauces down. Yeah. I mean, and putting saucier on your bio, like that sounds really <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Yeah. It's, Attorney, yeah. author, saucier. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Esquire. <laughs> Are you both still with me? Because yeah. you're frozen. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just call me Elsa.